Engineering insects. Oh, you won't believe this one. They're back. Biden going after your aircon again. And President Michelle Obama? Absolutely not, but don't be surprised. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Tuesday. Yeah, it's Tuesday, 17th day of July. We're more than halfway through the month. Holy crap. Yeah, we got all that and more coming out. Uh, Blackout Coffee, founded on the principles of conservative values, fresh roasted premium grade coffee from a company that supports our amazing American values. Blackout Coffee, use the link in our show notes for a special deal and use J20, J-A-Y-20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. All right, let's get into our first order of business. And that would be our favorite little baby, Miko. And the Miko update, she's doing great. Had a wonderful day today, actually. And uh, lots of fun, played with lots of her friends, couple of good walks. She refused to eat once again, but uh, she's eating right now as we talk. So we'll see what happens. But in general, she's doing well. Her fur, by the way, She's ready for a shed. Twice a year, Shiba Inus have... It's, it actually has a name. It's called a blow. I know, but that's what they call it because it is like a snowstorm. And uh, she's due. You can tell by the way her fur has gotten so thick. She is actually probably overdue for a blow. And it's coming. And then my whole house will look like Alaska. <laughs> Ah, oh, man. The uh, Miko Update brought to you by BarkBox.com. It's a monthly subscription service of goodies for your dog. Each month, a new theme. And if you use our link, you get a free month. And every month, you get delivered right to your door a box with two toys, two bags of all-natural treats, and a dog chew. Every month, right to your door. If you're ever not happy with anything, just let them know because they have a 100% happiness guarantee. All right. Thank you, BarkBox.com. Use the link in our show notes, and that will get you that free month. There's also a very limited time offer for a free dog bed. That's the second link in our show notes. You can use that if you like. Okay. When was the last time you got bit by a mosquito? Are you sure it was actually a mosquito? Or maybe something engineered to look like a mosquito. This is the weirdest story ever. Insects by drones revealed. Now, they've talked about these before, but it's just come out again that the government, our lovely government, has created all kinds of new insect spy drones that can do all kinds of freaky things you probably don't want to know about. Back in 2007, there were rumors about anti, from the anti-war movement the, the government was using tiny, bug-sized flying surveillance devices to spy on them. Corporate media dismissed the whole idea behind it, and uh, 
Even most fellow protesters thought they were crazy. But the cat was out of the bag, and the following year the U.S. Air Force came clean and unveiled its armada of miniature manned drones. That, on your screen right now, is not a mosquito. That is a miniature manned drone. And that's someone's finger it's sitting on. According to the UK's Daily Mail, they've suggested the mysterious miniature flying machines were actually dragonflies. That looks more like a mosquito. But when the U.S. Air Force announced they really did have drones designed as insects that were as tiny as bumblebees and lethal, probably the most disturbing aspect of this whole report, quoting the Air Force, they announced by the uh, U.S. military that it has lethal mini-drones. Mm. Among its tiny flying arsenal, outside the U.S. media blackout, that in itself really isn't news. As far back as 2008, the military was showing off its nanobiomimicry MAV designs. Military's own symposium discussed the topic of bugs, bots, borgs, and bioweapons. Now, based on that, it's possible. In fact, it's probably likely. The U.S. initial strategy was to use the mechanical bugs as a delivery system for bioweapons. Just the way a real mosquito or a flea has been responsible in the past for spreading malaria, things like that, other devastating epidemics. The uh, Daily Mail account describes the advancement in insect drones. According to the report, military research has developed micro-bio-inspired drones with bug eyes, bat ears, bird wings, and even honeybee-like hairs to sense biological, chemical, and nuclear weapons. They weren't alone in this research either. Countries like France, the Netherlands, have all invested heavy in research and development of these mini-weapons and mini-surveillance devices. See, there's one. That is not a dragonfly. That is a drone. Wow. There's the layout. Look at this. I don't know if you can see that. It's a little small. Camera control, radar, camera, enviro sensor, funnels, processors, main switch, flight control, pollen processor, memory, radio, stinger, atomizer, batteries, engine, fuel cells, robotic arm. This is insane. These absolutely exist. This is not a conspiracy theory. 100% this exists. Here's another article. It's also in our show notes tonight. Mosquito-like spy drone that can take pictures and collect your DNA samples. Oh, yeah. There you go. Is it a mosquito? Nope. It's an insect spy drone for urban areas already in production, funded by the U.S. government, your tax dollars at work. 
It can be controlled remotely, and it has a camera and a microphone. It can land on you and potentially collect your DNA or drop off an RFID tracking nanotechnology. It can fly through open windows, or it could stick to your clothing until you bring it home. According to the reports, one of the areas currently being carried out is the development of micro-air vehicles. That's what MAV stands for. Tiny flying objects designed to go places that humans and other type of equipment cannot safely go. Unbelievable. That picture of the mosquito one, let me see if I can get it back up here. We got the dragonfly and then, ah, this one. This apparently is a prototype, but it's there. They've developed it. We don't need the opening again. So the next time you get bitten by a mosquito and you smush it, you might want to take a look at whether or not there's guts on your arm or maybe electronic pieces. <laughs> Who knows? Probably little electronic pieces. I've seen this story debunked. I've seen it repeated. So I don't know what the reality is, but I'm going to share it with you anyway, because if it's true, here we go. The WEF, the unelected group of Nazis, have said that CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, must be implanted under your skin if you want to participate in society. They declared all citizens must be implanted with the CBDC microchip in the very near future as uh, in order to be able to fully participate in society and do basic things like mm, buy food and water. According to Professor Richard Werner, in the very near future, citizens will need to use the latest technology in order to access their bank accounts. He's an economist, professor of banking and finance, and known as the proponent of the post-crisis monetary policy called quantitative easing, QE, which he proposed in Japan back in 95 as a chief economist. He also worked as a researcher at the University of Oxford, Bank of Japan, Development Bank of Japan, and the Asian Development Bank. <laughs> Two aspects of the quantitative easing monetary policies. QE1, QE2. QE1's for the central bank to step in and buy all the non-performing assets in the banking system. All of them, everything. QE2 allows the central bank to force banks to create more money and push it into the economy. You have to think of central bank digital currency as a controlled system for not as a control system, not a currency. Boy, ain't that the truth. 
Read this whole article. It's fascinating. Like I said, I have seen this debunked, and I've seen people write and uh, report that they, they never said that. It's not true. I've seen other people say it's 100% true, and it's in the pipeline, and it's coming to a coming to a theater near you, or a bank, as the case may be. <laughs> insane. Absolutely insane. What's this one? Oh, yeah. Here's another lovely report that came out today. Hang out, coffee break. I'm going to tell you more about blackout coffee coming up in just a minute. This is from InvestorVillage.com. This is a head shaker. The U.S. government. By the way, anything you want to comment on, I have the live chat open. I can see your live chat. So feel free. If you want to put something in there, by all means, please do. And don't forget to hit the follow button down below. All right. U.S. government. Get this. They report that Pfizer and Moderna knowingly manufactured deadly batches of the COVID-19 vaccines. According to an examination of official U.S. government statistics provided by the Centers for Disease Control, CDC, very high rates of adverse reactions and fatalities have frequently been reported in relation to particular COVID-19 vaccine lot numbers. Every vial of vaccine has a lot number. The most lethal COVID-19 vaccination batches have been located, but medicine regulators refused to stop dispensing them. You're still receiving them if you're still stupid enough to be getting a vaccine. Statistics show 4 to 5% only of the COVID-19 vaccine batches produced by Pfizer and Moderna were responsible for each and every death recorded as an adverse reaction to the injections. But what's possibly more worrisome is that while other benign lots were sent to many different sites around the country, the small percentage of deadly lots were dispersed extensively. Now, the data used in this investigation was pulled from the publicly accessible VAERS database, which can be viewed in the link in the article. I strongly suggest you do. And the, uh, the VAERS is Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. United States Program for Vaccine Safety in order to determine the risk-benefit ratio, if it's high enough to support the continued use of any specific vaccine, that program is designed to gather information, reports made by doctors, nurses, patients, regarding any adverse reactions, from itchy skin to death, that occur following the administration of vaccines. All adverse reactions reported against Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines as well as all adverse reactions reported against the influenza vaccines, were included in the reports taken from the database and used to create a control data set. These reports submitted up until October 15, 2021, so they're not that current. There are a ton of charts 
in this article. I can't put them all on the screen because you won't even really be able to see them large enough to make any sense of it. But I strongly encourage you to go to the link in our show notes and read this article and take in this information. A total of 1,608 reports of adverse reactions to flu vaccines, along with information on 15 fatalities and 73 hospitalizations. 494 different lot numbers. The lot number is a, the unique set of numbers that each vial of vaccine gets, so they know and they can track it. They've known about these particular batches, which are more often than not causing deaths. And they're still out there. They have not pulled them. They're still being administered. God help us. Read the article. Please read the article. Spread it around. Find out more. This uses information from the government's own VAIR VAIR's website. Unbelievable. How many times have you been late for work? And what's your best excuse when you're late? Here, traffic is so bad, it's like just an assume. Nobody ever leaves early enough. They always are late. Everybody's always late. All oh, the traffic, and the traffic is bad. It's ridiculously bad here. But what is your best excuse for being late for work? Put it in the live chat if you want. I'd love to hear from you. I got a story coming up. It's, again, some of these idiot libs who think they're entitled. You will not believe this one. All right. You want a good cup of coffee to wake you up, get you going in the morning so you're not late for work? Well, I'll tell you what. You check out Blackout Coffee. Coffee for America's warriors, including that guy, Dan Bongino. He's got his own blend over there at Blackout Coffee. We love Dan Bongino. At work, at duty, Blackout Coffee supports our troops, our first responders. This is a company that really supports our American values, our conservative values. Blackout Coffee founded on the principles of conservative values. The owner of this company cares about two things, making a damn good cup of coffee and our American values, hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, fresh roasted, all done in-house, and thoroughly American company. Uh, they source premium beans, specialty coffees grown at the perfect altitude, correct time of year, the best soil. Bottom line, folks, this is just an amazing cup of coffee. Throw out that brown water crap you've been drinking. Get yourself a bag. Just try a bag of blackout coffee. They've got all kinds of different blends there, whatever your preference. To me, as strong as you can possibly make it, and absolutely black. Mm. That is the way to go. And uh, blackout coffee, roasted, packed, shipped, lightning speed, usually 24 to 48 hours. So you get the beans just days after they've been roasted. And right now, use the link in our show notes for an incredible deal. And there is a promo code. Yes, indeed. Use promo code J20, J-A-Y-20 at checkout, and you will get 20% off your first order. 
I promise you, this coffee is amazing. You will have never tasted such an amazing cup of coffee. Blackout coffee. Use the link in our show notes and use our promo code J20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. Blackout Coffee, a fantastic, fantastic coffee company. And yes, indeed, even Dan Bongino has his own blend. (laughs) All right, here she is. You ready? You ever been late for work? What was your excuse? Traffic, slept late, not feeling well, couldn't find my car keys. How about time blindness? Yeah, this is a new one from that class of idiot moron libs who think they're entitled. You just, this is beyond, beyond belief. This TikToker is claiming to suffer from time blindness. Blasts employers who make employees come to work on time. Oh, God forbid you should have to show up for work on time. She wants to dismantle the system that says people should be to work on time. Listen. So I just got yelled at for asking a very reasonable question. So I'm applying to go somewhere and I just wanted to know, are there accommodations for people who struggle with time blindness and being on time, you know? And then the person I was with interrupted and acted like I was asking something else. And then when we were done, they actually started yelling at me and saying that accommodations for time blindness doesn't exist and if you struggle with being on time you'll never be able to get a job you know provided you're trying your absolute best to be there and then they're like your stupid generation wants to destroy the workplace and yeah i think that a culture where workers are just cut off because they struggle with being on time when there's other solutions that we can look to i think that just anybody who thinks it's okay to just treat people like that yeah that culture needs to be dismantled And then I asked that person, how can you feel good about yourself upholding this kind of system? And then to think, I'm entitled. No, if people think it's okay to treat others like this, uh, that's entitlement. (laughs) What a freaking... It's come to this. It has come to this, my friends. I I have time blindness. You'll have to adjust to me because I can't seem to manage to get to work on time. I'll tell you what, I can't seem to manage to sign your paycheck. Sorry. That is a real TikTok post. I did not make that up. It's not fake. It absolutely is a real TikTok post from this idiot who thinks she's entitled to be late for work just because she thinks she should be. Do these people not realize what kind of freaking clowns they look like? How they embarrass themselves with this crap? (laughs) All right. Joe Biden's coming after your aircon. Yeah, you shouldn't be surprised. First it was the gas stoves. Then I think it was aircon. And then he said, no, we're not coming after your gas stoves. And then they are coming after your gas stoves. And then he said, no, we're not coming after your aircon. And now, yep, we're coming after your aircon. The science behind how impactful a move that would be for climate change, which doesn't exist anyway. Two researchers are saying, crap. Biden administration has finalized a rule this week 
to significantly restrict coolants commonly used in aircon units. See, if they can't ban something, then they will go in through the back door. They will make some component of it so impossibly expensive that it's no longer worth it. The companies can't make money, so they're either going to price themselves out of the market or go out of business. Another strike by the administration against home appliances. The EPA announced in a press release beginning in 2024, which ain't that far away, the use of hydrofluorocarbons, which is a very common coolant in most air conditioners and refrigerators, has to be reduced by 40% over the following four years. And 85% by 2036. So basically, you just will not have an aircon or potentially a refrigerator. They called the substance a climate super pollutant and said cracking down on HFCs helped make America remain the global leader in the fight against climate change which we all know doesn't exist. It's just bullshit anyway, but they're just going to keep on poking at it. The only hope, the only prayer that we have is when we elect Trump back in office in 2024 and first day, well, okay, first day he's got to get rid of the FBI and dismantle everything from top on down. Second day, undo all this bullcrap regulations, this idiot and his foolish administration have put into place to make our lives a living hell. Research claim combating HFC emissions could slow global warming by 0.5 degrees by 2100. Others say that's based on very flimsy science. I'm going with the very flimsy science bit. Unbelievable. And you know what? I have a link in our show notes that says, contact your representatives. Let them know how you feel. It's always there. It's a permanent link at the bottom of in today's show. And then you look through all the articles we're talking about at the very bottom under that list is a link to a government site. You put in your zip code. It will tell you exactly who represents you, who they are, how to contact them, emails, addresses, uh, telephone numbers. Use it. Use it. Use it. And hopefully they will listen to you. Unless you're a politician from West Virginia. Take a look at this. A West Virginian politician has been sued because he blocked a constituent on Facebook. This idiot. Doesn't, I don't know if it's a him or a her. But apparently this is an increasingly familiar occurrence. You represent these people. You were put into office to be the voice of your constituents. And we live in an age where Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is, is how we communicate, including even live shows on Rumble. A lawsuit, thankfully, has been initiated by the ACLU who I hold very little faith in these days, but at least here's a plus, against a local politician in Jefferson County 
According, uh, accusing this guy, or it's a guy, of infringing on, well, who knows, maybe it's a woman who identifies as a guy. Mm. Uh, anyway, infringing on a citizen's First Amendment right by blocking her on his official Facebook page. This wasn't his personal page, this was his official representative's page. He blocked one of his constituents. Commissioner Steve Stolifer blocked a constituent, Christy Stodig, from his social media account after she engaged him in a conversation about a recent county audit. It's viewed as an, as an infraction of the free speech right of citizens because the Facebook page of an elected official, an official page, is deemed a public forum in most cases. Blocking one of your constituents would be blocking her right of free speech. So they've sued him. No word, the lawsuit is still in progress, but this is the kind of crap, you know, they don't want to hear from you, they're just going to block you. Can't do it. Cannot do it. And I don't have a lot of good things to say about the ACLU, but in this case, go for the juggler. Absolutely go for the juggler. Wow. Oh, here's an article I saw pop up today. I thought, oh, good, I got to share this one. Harvard, you know Harvard, all the, uh, all the brainy people go to Harvard. Well, guess what Harvard has been doing? Selling body parts. Yeah, not just doing it. Some people have been arrested. Arrests have been made. This is from the Epic Times. In a human remains trade, tied to Harvard Medical School. Wow. Federal investigators discovered a human remains trade with connections to Harvard and have arrested people in several states. According to prosecutors, the defendants were part of a nationwide network of people who bought and sold remains stolen from the medical school and an Arkansas mortuary. Sickening. One of those charged, 55-year-old Cedric Lodge of New Hampshire, allegedly took dissected parts of cadavers which had been donated to Harvard in a scheme that started back in 2018. Another person facing criminal charges, Katrina McLean of Salem, Massachusetts, owned a store that sells creations that shock the mind. Along with creepy dolls, oddities, and bone art. They have a social media page. The indictment charges Lodge, his wife Denise McLean, Josh Taylor, uh, Matthew Lampy, let's see, Minnesota, uh, conspiracy, interstate transport of stolen goods, what, nothing was, oh, okay, abuse of a corpse, receiving stolen property, Police say Pauly allegedly tried to buy stolen human remains from an Arkansas woman for possible resale on Facebook. What? An FBI affidavit in a Kentucky case last week said Pauly bought hearts, brains, lungs, these are human, and two fetal specimens from this Arkansas woman who allegedly had taken them from a mortuary. This is sick. Read the whole article. 
All the details are in there. That pretty much covers the bottom line of what this story is about. But this is sick. We live in some sick times, folks. Thank God they've actually tracked these people down and made some arrests. Absolutely scary. Wow. Hey, we did an article uh, a few shows ago, one time last week, about the military and how they were trying to lower the standards, the amount of people they expected to enlist, uh, in order not to lower the qualification standards. Mm, okay, good and bad. There's a lot more wrong with the military than just that, including their wokeness. But now take a look at this. Again, from the Epic Times, military families are no longer encouraging their children to enlist. You know, you get a military family, your grandfather was in the military, your dad was in the military, you may be in the military. In all, many cases, often it is a family thing where, you're, you know, you've got a military family, as they say. Sometimes even mom and dad, both in the military. <clears throat> well, more than two dozen military service members reached out to the Epic Times to report they were discouraging their children from donning the uniform. The marks at the end of a legacy for some families and a tough decision for everybody. Chris Collins served in the Coast Guard nearly 12 years before getting kicked out for refusing to take the clot shot. Now he plans to steer his two kids away from joining the military. And it has a lot to do, he says, with distrust and the current culture. I would not be surprised. Says, I'm actually convinced in my brother to join shortly after he left high school. He picked the Air Force as his branch, and I regret the decision to encourage him to join because it didn't work out well for him. He and his brother shared many of the same concerns, which created a huge distrust in the military. The vaccine was a big thing for me. The higher-ups of military leadership, the people I once trusted to have my best interests in mind, flat-out ignored everything I said in opposition to taking the vaccine. As a result, he was forced to take the vaccine or leave over a decade of service behind. So now, where military families once were the backbone of this country's military, not so much because of this woke crap, these mandatory vaccine clot shot garbage. And now these families are saying, not going to do it. For the sake of my family, I am not encouraging or even recommending that, uh, that my family members join up. Wow. All right, who are you voting for? Who are you voting for? Hang on, hang on. I gotta get this thing started again. Okay, sorry, my live chat went down. You wanna send me a live chat? Send me a live chat. Let me know who you're voting for. Trump, I hope. Vivek, DeSantis, Joe Biden. He's not even gonna run. Trust me, he won't run. I got a prediction coming up from Roger Stone. It's going to knock your socks off. I think he's right. I, I've always felt this way. Who are you voting for? 
How about President Michelle or Michael Obama? So basically, the bottom line with this story is Obama is now looking for his fourth term. Two terms with him, one term that's going on now with that rotting bag of flesh in the White House, and a fourth term with his wife. Wife. Michelle Obama, this is from TheHill.com, would be the Democrats' best chance to win in 2004. There's been some recent media buzz, as well as hope, about the possibility that Michelle Obama might be persuaded to enter the 2024 race. And you see what they're doing? It's still early enough. They're leaking it out there, little bits, little dribs, little drabs. So when it happens, you won't be like, what? As it stands, Biden's chances of winning against a credible Republican candidate, whoever that might be, likely Trump, uh, aren't great. In fact, they suck. The majority of voters do not want this 80-year-old bag of bones anywhere near the White House again, including a solid majority, 57% of Democratic voters. That majority is likely to grow if voters become even more concerned about the president's health, mental health, the ability to perform his duties as president, which he's never had. But if Biden can't win, who can? Michelle Mabel. There's a whole list of reasons this author writes here as far as why he thinks Michelle Obama is the Democrats' best chance to win. Democrats apparently see Barack Obama presidency as a type of modern Camelot, which was mostly used to describe John Kennedy's presidency. Um, those are the people who just haven't woken up to the fact that Obama was one of the most corrupt presidents we've ever had. Biden is the worst president. Obama, the most corrupt. Look into it. It's entirely possible. In fact, I'm going to have to go with the fact that I think it's going to happen. I am... Eighty-five percent sure. I think eighty-five percent sure. I think that it's going to happen. All right. Uh, where is that Roger Stone thing? Hang on, just one quick second. I've just got to check one more thing. Where did it go? Hang on a second. I'll get it. I'll get it. Relax. Here it is. Okay, this is from a tweet. I'm sorry, I did not put this in the show notes, but. I'll play it for you now. This is Roger Stone. I'm sure you know Roger Stone. Take a and listen to this. Now, as a veteran of many years in American politics, I'm going to tell you something somewhat shocking. Joe Biden will not be the nominee of the Democratic Party in 2024. Kamala Harris will briefly become president. But the only way in their party they can replace a woman of color is with another woman of color. And yes, you heard it here first, the Democratic nominee for president will be Michelle Obama. Scary toast. They have already rigged their primaries. 
The reason that they have canceled the Iowa caucuses in the New Hampshire primary is to put South Carolina, a state where a majority of the Democratic primaries are Afri primary voters are African Americans, and they will allow Gavin Newsom to purchase the vice presidential nomination, but the Obamas will hold him up for six or eight hundred million dollars to do so. You heard it here first. When Steve Bannon says it in three weeks, remember <laughs> I said it first. There you go. Remember, he said it first. Roger Stone has been in politics for longer than probably most of you guys have been alive. I'm telling you, the man knows about what he's talking. Wow. I, I got to agree with him. I, I, like I said, I'm 85. I even go 90% sure. It'll happen. Mark my words. Mark the date. I'm telling you right now, Democratic nominee is going to be Michelle Obama. Or Michael Obama, if, you know, truth be known. Okay. With all the crap we've talked about on tonight's show, I had to end with one video that brought tears to my eyes. Not because it's sad. Because it's another one of those things where this is still America. We still win. And we still have people whose hearts are in exactly the right place. Take a look. Hang on. Let me just start it again. This little guy is out in front of his house, and he sees a fire truck drive by. And he couldn't be more excited. Watch, Watch what, what happens. happens. We still have good people in this country. A lot of them are wearing a uniform, one kind or another. Absolutely brilliant. Wow. Yeah. Brings a tear. Cutting onions. All right. Time to get on with our book. We've been reading 1984 from George Orwell. Yeah, I know it's kind of weird, but we read books on this show, mostly children's classic literature like uh, Peter Pan, Wizard of Oz, Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland. We've done them all. And uh, right now we're doing 1984 because, frankly, we're living in it. And it's been weird. This has been Chapter 17, which is like it's 50, 100 pages long. It's a huge chapter reading Goldstein's book which Winston got a copy of. And we're right in the middle of it. Here we go with George Orwell's 1984. 
Sorry. <laughs> okay, we're back. Do you remember, he said, the thrush that sang to us the first day at the edge of the wood? He wasn't singing to us, said Julia. He was singing to please himself. Not even that. He was just singing. The birds sang, the proles sang, the party did not sing. All around the world, in London, New York, Africa, Brazil, and in the mysterious forbidden lands beyond the frontiers, in the streets of Paris, Berlin, the villages of lands beyond the frontiers, the villages of endless Russian plain, the bazaars of China and Japan, everywhere stood the same solid, unconquerable figure, made monstrous by work, childbearing, tolling from birth to death, and still singing. Out of those mighty loins, a race of conscious beings must one day come. You were the dead. Theirs was the future. But you could share in that future if you kept alive the mind as they kept alive the body, and passed out on the secret doctrine that two plus two make four. We are the dead, he said. We are the dead, echoed Julia dutifully. You are the dead, said an iron voice behind them. They sprang apart. Winston's entrails seemed to have turned into ice. He could see the white all round the irises of Julia's eyes. Her face had turned a milky yellow, a smear of rouge that was still on each cheekbone stood out sharply, almost as though unconnected with the skin beneath. You are the dead, repeated the iron voice. It was behind the picture, breathed Julia. It was behind the picture, said the voice. Remain exactly where you are. Make no movement until you are ordered. It was starting. It was starting at last. They could do nothing except stand gazing into one another's eyes. To run for life, to get out of the house before it was too late, no such thought occurred to them. Unthinkable to disobey the iron voice from the wall. There was a snap as though a catch had been turned back and a crash of breaking glass. The picture had fallen to the floor, uncovering the telescreen behind it. Now they can see us, said Julia. Now we can see you, said the voice. Stand out in the middle of the room. Stand back to back. Clasp your hands behind your heads. Do not touch one another. They were not touching, but it seemed to him they could he could feel Julia's body shaking. Or perhaps it was merely the shaking of his own. He could just stop his teeth from chattering, but his knees were way beyond his control. There was a sound of trampling boots below, outside, inside the house and out. The yard seemed to be full of men. Something was being dragged across the stones. The woman's singing had stopped abruptly. There was a long rolling clang as though the wash tub had been flung across the yard. 
and then a confusion of angry shouts, which ended in a yell of pain. The house is surrounded, said Winston. The house is surrounded, said the voice. He heard Julia snap her teeth together. I suppose we may as well say goodbye, she said. You may as well say goodbye, said the voice. And then another quite different voice, a thin, cultivated voice, which Winston had the impression of having heard before, struck in. And by the way, while we're on the subject, here comes a candle to light you to bed. Here comes a chopper to chop off your head. Something crashed onto the bed behind Winston's back. The head of a ladder had been thrust through the window and burst in the frame. Someone was climbing through the window. There was a stampede of boots up the stairs. The room was full of solid men in black uniforms, with iron-shod boots on their feet and truncheons in their hands. Winston was not trembling any longer. His eyes barely moved. One thing alone mattered, to keep still, to keep still and not give them an excuse to hit you. A man with a smooth prize fighter's jowl in which the mouth was only a slit paused opposite him, balancing his truncheon meditatively between thumb and forefinger. Winston met his eyes. The feeling of nakedness with one's hands behind one's head and one's face and body all exposed was almost unbearable. The man protruded the tip of a white tongue, licked the place where his lips should have been, and then passed on. There was another crash. Someone had picked up the broken glass paperweight from the table, smashing it to bits on the hearthstone. The fragment of coral, a tiny crinkle of pink with sugar-coated rosebud from a cake, rolled across the mat. How small, thought Winston. How small it always was. There was a gasp and a thump behind him, and he received a violent kick on the ankle, which nearly flung him off his balance. One of the men had smashed his fist into Julia's solar plexus, doubling her up like a pocket ruler. She was thrashing about on the floor, fighting for breath. Winston dared not turn his head even by a millimeter, for sometimes her livid, gasping face came within the angle of his vision. Even in his terror, it was as though he could feel the pain in his own body, the deadly pain which nevertheless was less urgent than the struggle to get her breath back. He knew what it was like, this terrible, agonizing pain which was there all the while, but could not be suffered yet, because before all else, it was necessary to be able to breathe. Then two of the men hoisted her up by the knees and the shoulders, carried her out of the room like a sack. Winston had a glimpse of her face, upside down, yellow, contorted, with the eyes shut, 
and still a smear of rouge on either cheek, and that was the last he saw of her. He stood dead still. No one had hit him yet. Thoughts which came of their own accord, but seemed totally uninteresting, began to flit through his mind. He wondered whether they'd got Mr. Charrington. He wondered what they'd done to the woman in the yard. He noticed he badly wanted to urinate, felt a faint surprise because he'd done so only two or three hours ago. He noticed the clock on the mantelpiece said nine, meaning twenty-one. But the light seemed too strong. Would not the light be fading at twenty-one on an August evening? He wondered whether, after all, he and Julia had mistaken the time, had slept the clock round and thought it was twenty-thirty when really it was not eight-thirty in the following morning. But he didn't pursue the thought further. It wasn't interesting. There was another lighter step in the passage. Mr. Charrington came into the room. The demeanor of the black uniformed men suddenly became more subdued. Something had also changed in Mr. Charrington's appearance. His eye fell on the fragments of the glass paperweight. Pick up those peep pieces, he said sharply. A man stooped to obey. The Cockney accent disappeared. Winston suddenly realized whose voice he'd heard a few moments ago on the telescreen. Mr. Charrington was still wearing his old velvet jacket, but his hair, which had been almost white, had turned black. Also, he wasn't wearing his spectacles. He gave Winston a single sharp glance, as though verifying his identity, and then paid no more attention to him. He was still recognizable, but he wasn't the same person any longer. His body straightened. He seemed to have grown bigger. His face undergone tiny changes that had nevertheless worked a complete transformation. The black eyebrows were less bushy. The wrinkles were gone. The whole lines of the face seemed to have altered. Even the nose seemed shorter. It was the alert, cold face of a man of about five and thirty. It occurred to Winston that for the first time in his life he was looking with knowledge at a member of the Thought Police. And that's amazingly the end of chapter 17. We will continue with chapter 18 coming up on tomorrow night's show. Wow, they got caught. <laughs> 1984 from George Orwell. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Thanks so much. Please, if you wouldn't mind, just take a minute and hit that follow button right there. Just give it a click. It's free. Helps the show out a lot, but absolutely free for you. And we really, really do appreciate it from the bottom of this wrinkled old heart. And uh, yeah, I will see you again tomorrow. 